Hi, all, and welcome to the first UMC podcast. I'm Nikki. And I'm Wayne. We're here to talk to you and with you about spirituality and faith, church and community. Every other week, we are going to be here answering questions, sharing interviews, and just having fun. We're located in Auburn, Indiana, but we have no clue where each and every listener may be joining from. So no matter who you are or where you are, you're welcome here, and we hope you're ready to learn and grow with us. We are so glad you're here. All right, all. We are back with um, our quick Q&A updates, whatever. We still don't have a title for this, um, this section. But one of the things we did realize from our last recording to now is we're recording these and they don't come out until the next week. So we talked to you all about St. Patrick's Day um, ad nauseum and it was already over before you got to hear it. So we're going to do our best to be mindful of the calendar um, in that regard. But today we um, wanted to share some inspiring quotes, things that have really stuck out to us over the last um, couple days or so. And then Easter has just happened, so we were also going to talk a little bit about Easter and um, all that 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 holiday and this season is to us. So, uh, Wayne, you just said that you found a good quote. Yeah, so this one um, has been floating around on some social media, and it's from Brene Brown, who I love anyways. (laughs) There's probably a million of her quotes, but uh, this one says, The cure for burnout isn't and can't be self-care. It has to be all of us caring for each other. And I think that's just a really profound thing. And having worked in the mental health field, I mean, we go to trainings and talk to people and ourselves Mm -hmm. just forever about self-care and what you need to do so you don't burn out. And I think that's true for clergy, too. Anytime you're in a field where you spend a lot of your emotional energy caring for the well-being of others and... Yeah, I think that's a great insight that if we're getting burnt out, we don't have much left to care for ourselves. So Mm -hmm. we do really need other people to care for us in those moments um, and help us out. So I I really, I really liked that quote. Yeah, we, um, my, my girlfriends from seminary, we call her St. Brene and (laughs) would text each other often. During stressful times, fix it, Brene. Like we just try to find a quote to <laughs> give ourselves hope. But that is so, um, that's so on point, especially with the season we have gone through, realizing I think just how much we need people um, and we can't be together in, in the same kinds of ways has been really challenging for us. And it really doesn't matter what you're doing. I mean, and Wayne, Wayne hears all of my, um, oh, I don't know, my life rants and stuff and preparing for a newborn while having an almost three-year-old, things are crazy. And even just like taking care of her. Like, I love her with my whole being, but goodness gracious, I need someone to tell me how to help me like take care of myself because I don't even know anymore. Um, So it doesn't matter what you're doing. You need to um, let yourself be cared for by others. So... Very insightful from Brene again. Um, I picked up at the library the other day a, a new book of poetry from Alice Walker. It's called um, Taking the Arrow from Our Hearts, or from Our Heart, I think. I should have written that down. Um, I know what the cover looks like. It's like an ivory cover with gold leaves around it. But one of the poems in there had a line in it that just really grabbed me the other day. 
the name of the poem, the title is To Have Once. And the line in it um, says, and to have once is to have forever. Um, and it kind of comes in the context of, she's talking about impermanence and just the constant change of things. And that just really stuck out to me because a lot of times I, I think, and I could be wrong for sure, but we think about things like we have them, we lose them, or we, there was a time we loved the good old days, whatever they pass and they're gone. Um, and there's definitely an element to like change happens and we mourn or grieve and remember fondly, but if we had it, maybe we haven't lost it. It's just changed. So, um, and maybe it's just because I'm preparing for another big change in life or looking with a lot of hope to potentially the end of this pandemic and the way it has, has been, but I don't know. That was just really special. So yeah. Um, shucks. Oh, Easter. That's what we're going to talk about. <laughs> it's, this is so weird because I know like we're prepping for Easter now, but you're all going to join us after we've had it. But, um, yeah. So the other day we were having staff meeting and one of the questions that was posed to us was if you had to describe Easter or tell someone about Easter in like 30 seconds, like your elevator speech or whatever, what would you say? Um, so we're trying to challenge each other this morning, this afternoon. And, uh, Wayne, what would you say about Easter to someone if you had them trapped in an elevator with you? <laughs> now, I think um, I would say of Easter that it's just, it's it's about a celebration of the gift that is life, mm -hmm. right? Because when we think of resurrection, when we think of Christ um, conquering death, it's just that life, that is what God is. That is what God gives us is, is being, is living, mm -hmm. and to not basically take that for granted and to ask ourselves like what part of our life is really important and I think it's it's life shared it's life together um and loving one another and so for me Easter always is about life and life lived together with each other and with God mm -hmm. that's really good and it, it's so easy especially being in ministry but even if you're not like, even if you're outside the church like it's just another one of those holidays that the stores start advertising for, you know, before Valentine's Day is even over. Um, Which, let's be real, it's also, like, the weirdest, like, I just don't <laughs> know, like, Christmas, I guess, yeah. the, you know, Santa Claus brings the gifts, but a bunny that lays eggs that somehow has something to do with a very obviously religious holiday. Mm -hmm. I don't know where we got there. <laughs> I, you know, I've looked into this before because I was like really curious about eggs and there's like in the Eastern Orthodox church, there's a really interesting tradition with the eggs and hollowing them out and leaving those for the kids. And I don't know, eggs are, I don't know how people decorate real eggs and make them look all pretty and ornate and somehow keep them intact when they take the yolk out. But um, yeah, there's a whole bunch of weird and even like with Christmas, right? Like a Christmas tree that has nothing to do with when and where Jesus was born. It's totally pagan. So yeah, exactly. So there's definitely some some interesting intermingling. But there, why but not like an Easter chicken? Why the know. bunny? Well, what really gets me, and this is like just a tangent, I don't get chocolate crosses. <laughs> Those kind of weird me out. I mean, um, <laughs> if we eat the flesh of Christ. Yeah, yeah, I guess. <laughs> like, That's true. Of course, I won't ever turn away anything made of chocolate. So <laughs> that could be my bias. Unless it's white chocolate, because white chocolate 
nope, it's I like not that too. I know you do, but <laughs> it just isn't. It's no weird chocolate, dark chocolate, white chocolate. <sighs> yeah, I need to. I don't know, but also Easter bunnies just look creepy, like with their giant candy eyes. And the Easter we talked about this the other day. Easter bunny costumes are really terrifying. Um, but anyway. While you're getting a, a look into what we really think about <laughs> holidays. Um, but yeah, I really, I really love the way that you, you describe that because it's just so easy to like, oh, here it comes again. It's just Easter. And like, mm-hmm. we think of like the really quick answers, like new birth, new life, resurrection, whatever. Um, or the Easter bunny, candy, fun, family. And uh, when we were thinking about this during staff, I didn't share anything out loud, but in my head I was thinking... Um, okay, well, the pastor probably has to have an answer for what's Easter about. Um, But it just, to me, Easter is an opportunity to believe that something else has the final word, something else gets the last word. So death doesn't doesn't define me anymore. It doesn't have to define us. There's there's another choice, there's another thing on the table. And even on the days that it all seems completely impossible and impractical and ridiculous, like that can still be true. Even if I can't believe it, that something else has the last word. So um, it brings me a lot of comfort in the midst of scary Easter bunnies and <laughs> chocolate closets. <laughs> um, but yes, I've, I've taken up that, that cross thing with others. I'm like, you know what, why don't we all wear, like donuts around our necks, like symbolizing an empty tomb. But that'd be harder to explain, I think. I'd be like, no, that's just an O <laughs> or a Cheerio or a donut. So anyway. Or maybe if a donut that's supposed to be a filled donut, but then you bite into it and it's empty. Ooh. It's kind of depressing because if you like filled donuts and it's not, that's sad. But, but if you don't like filled donuts like me, <laughs> yeah, the tomb is empty. I like that better than trying to hollow out Easter eggs. Um, but anyhow, we'll have to work on that. Maybe that's our next side ventures. Unfilled donuts. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you have it, everyone. Those are our our quotes, our Easter thoughts. Um, and we would love to hear yours if you have them. You can always get us at the podcast email, um, podcast at auburnumc.church, and let us know what you are thinking. We are back with part two of our Q&A episode. For those of you who haven't listened to part one yet, we encourage you to go back, listen to that episode before you dive into this one. And by means of a refresher, we are trying to answer the question, what scriptures would be helpful in understanding the issue of homosexuality? Last time we tried to cover a lot of ground, really dig into what scripture says, what it means when it comes to the subject of LGBTQ inclusion or exclusion, Um, We talked about language and how um, homosexuality, homosexual, those words are like, they're derogatory. They're not really, um, they're not really kind or helpful. And really this, this isn't an issue. This is a topic. This is a thing we need to talk about and um, be open to conversing with each other about, but framing it as an issue is, is another form of, of doing harm to people. Um, if it's an issue with anyone, it's an issue with the church and all of us because we can't talk about it well. So we did we did walk through um, the six 
so-called clobber passages. We unpacked the translation issues around those verses. We tried to give some cultural and historical background for why interpretation can be so tricky and difficult, but also why it is so important in regards to our understanding, um, to our practical living, um, and also just how our our theology or our understanding of human sexuality in general um, is pretty lacking in our ability to have good conversation about that. So um, we did try to do a lot, but uh, and we're not claiming in any way to be experts, but we really hope that we um, gave you some good footing, some good background. So today we're going to move to the more practical pieces of this conversation. So we want to talk about why is this such a big deal? Like why is this so hard for us to um, talk to each other about and to work through together? And also how do we stay in loving and life-giving relationships with other people, with um, a church, an institution, a coworker, anyone, anything? Um, how do we stay in relationship if we disagree very deeply on the issue of, or, I mean, on the topic of uh, same-sex attraction and relationship and things like that. So today that's what we are going to um, dive into. So I think we can start with, um, why is it that this seems like it's such a big issue? We talked about there's six verses in a Bible that contains 31,102 verses, in case anyone was counting. Wow. Yeah, so literally less than a tenth of 1% of the Bible is <laughs> devoted <laughs> to talking about this at all. So why are we seeing denominations split? Why does this seem to be like such a big thing? Mm -hmm. um, and I think I kind of vary a little bit from a lot of more affirming individuals because oftentimes we will say on the affirming side, like, why is this a big issue? It is six verses. I mean, Jesus talks a lot more about so many other things. Divorce is a big one. Um, money, mm -hmm. how we spend our money, just loving our neighbor, right? That's what the church should be focused on is caring for those around us. And yet we get so wrapped up in this thing, which I get. But at the same time, I want to acknowledge for people who are less affirming and actually for people on both sides, that this is a legitimate theological question. And how we label or identify same-sex relationships is really important because it shapes how we treat people, how we allow people to engage in the faith community. So if we label it as sinful, then that rightfully should be, people should be upset, right? And we should be, as a church, trying to direct others away from sin. We are called to do that. If we identify something as sin, if it's destructive, if it's harmful to people, as the church, we should lovingly guide people toward a more healthy path. And so I think for those people who legitimately believe that theologically this is sin, that, yeah, this is something that then needs to be talked about. Mm -hmm. Just like we would no more say... You know, okay, if somebody gets up and they're, they're a preacher, a pastor, a faith leader in any sense of the word, and they are openly just like, you know what, I regularly just cheat on my spouse. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. In fact, I think that is just 
how God made me, and I think God can be glorified through that. Well, I hope we would all have a big problem with that. Mm -hmm. And for people who aren't affirming, theologically, being LGBTQ and saying, we're saying, like, yes, we are this way, but it isn't sin. And I'm going to continue to live this way. And so that does raise red flags for people who see it as sin. Just like the example that I shared about a person who just says, yep, adultery is fine. And I think that's okay. Like to, to people who aren't affirming, it's the same argument, like in their mind. And so I don't think, and I don't want to overly minimize people who really do struggle with this theologically. Mm -hmm. um, because while I don't think that those two things are anywhere near the same, um, a person who just accepts adultery or whatever, mm -hmm. um, if that's people's understanding, if that's where they're at, then this is a big deal. So I just wanted to give voice to that. And Nikki, I don't know if you have any, any more thoughts yeah. on that piece. Yeah, and that's... Um... You frame that really well. And something else, um, like, we don't, obviously, we don't know who's listening to this entirely, but um, this is not a conversation we're having to try and shut anyone down or shut anyone out. Um, we're, like we said the first time, we're offering our perspectives, our understandings. We're not trying to represent the church as a whole or anything like that. Um, we just, we got this question and wanted to answer it as honestly as we could. Um and to have good conversations, we have to all feel, all feel validated. Um, it doesn't really matter where we are, where we're coming from. Um, we're not going to understand any better if we're shut down before we start. So um, I, I can't remember if I shared this last time or not. Um, you know, growing up, I didn't grow up in the church. And when, when I started coming, um, my parents separated and got put into youth group. That's a whole other story. Um, one of the things that I just heard over and over again were the rules. Like, this is how you're a good person. And this is what you do if someone um, isn't a good person or whatever. And it was love the sinner, hate the sin. And that always, I mean, and not just in regards to human sexuality, but with all kinds of things. Um, it just felt kind of like, okay, well, how, how does that work out? How, how do we do that? What does that really mean? Um, there wasn't a lot of deeper conversation about this stuff. So we all just kind of existed in youth group thinking we all thought the same thing. And well, maybe we didn't. Um, and yeah, just to reiterate again, we all are where we are and that's okay. Um, you're welcome in this space, this podcast space to be and think, be who you are, think, what you think and um hopefully we can all grow a little bit but uh don't feel like um you're being shut down in any way if you don't exactly agree with everything we're saying or talking about absolutely yeah like i said we're just presenting our own kind of thoughts and musings and and you know perspectives from what we've grown through and our experiences. And so mm -hmm. I did want to, though, give voice to the fact that I think this is an important issue. And I do understand, again, people who would disagree with me theologically. Um, I do agree with them in the sense that, yeah, this is, it is something that we need to be talking about. And if people sincerely hold to the belief that this is a sinful practice, 
then I do understand why this becomes such a big issue for people. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, on the other side, um, it's also a big issue for LGBTQ persons who are looking to just be recognized and embraced with dignity and be able to use their gifts faithfully in the church. Mm -hmm. Uh, The reality is the impact of, of having a a theology that's very exclusionary um that uses words particularly like abomination and some of these labels um that have that fearful like hell language in there um that's is literally like life and death impact for some people Mm -hmm. i mean the reality is and the church does need to recognize and own that people have lost have taken their lives because of that kind of exclusionary theology and mistreatment by and the rhetoric around it, yeah, by mm-hmm. by some you know faith communities, and I even saw read a thing. I mean, recently within the past couple of weeks, you know, uh, the Catholic Church released a thing about not blessing same-sex unions mm-hmm. um, because you can't bless sin. And the Trevor Project saw a spike in phone calls. So the Trevor Project is a hotline for LGBTQ individuals that are struggling, maybe suicidal thoughts, things like that. So again, that statement impacted lots of people's lives because there are faithful Christian LGBTQ persons. And so how they're treated within the church makes a big difference. Um, my own personal story too, I mean, I want to be ordained. There isn't a path in the UMC right now for me to do that. And in a lot of different denominations, not just mm-hmm. the UMC. Um, even though, you know, I completed my Master of Divinity in 2015 with the hope and dream that that would happen in the not as distant future as it has turned out to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and even if I'm not serving in, in staff positions, even when I've just been an active volunteer in churches, that has caused people to have issues um, because of the fact that I choose to be in a relationship with my husband. Um, so again, that's why this is a big issue because it, it isn't, just this thing, this topic, this de- it's not just a debate. It's people's lives mm-hmm. um, that are being impacted in, in big ways. So I don't want to minimize it um, and make it smaller um, because I do think it's important how we think about our theology around this issue. And I think church, some churches have just taken a stance of kind of the middle way where we just don't talk about it. Or we just avoid it. We don't want to say we're affirming and we don't want to really say that we're not affirming. And maybe if we just don't talk about it, then you can be here in some sense as part of our community and we'll all just kind of love each other. But it, it, that doesn't really work. Mm-hmm. Um, so it is something we need to think critically about um, and really just figure out, you know, where is the spirit leading us and, and how should we approach this um, and make some of those those decisions. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and it's, it's the other side of this. If it, this is a table that we're all welcome to, then everybody gets to come. And I, I've been through uh, many, a, a family dinner 
that was very tense and just awkward because people didn't see each other. And God sees every single one of us, um, whether we're aware of it or not. We are loved and cherished in all of our differences. And so if we're going to make room at the table for everyone, then everyone gets to be there and we have to talk to each other. Um, that's part of what it means to love your neighbor. And I think that's where that whole like love the sinner, hate the sin thing. I still don't really know what to do with that, but that's where it rubbed me. Cause I'm like, how can I be in a friendship or a relationship, whatever with someone and say, I love them. But then like love and hate are very strong, very charged words. Um, maybe that's part of our problem too, is we don't unpack this stuff enough um, or talk about it slowly enough. We just use the same kinds of phrases and words and think that, well, I said what I said and that's it. It's like, well, maybe it's muddier than that. Cause obviously it is. <laughs> um, yeah. And being in re relationship with anyone is difficult um, for all kinds of things. I mean, bring up my toddler again. I love her, <laughs> but she also throws her toys in my face and don't like that. So <laughs> I'm not gonna, um, I wouldn't say to her, like, I love you, but I hate your son. It's like, you're allowed to have strong feelings, but you're not allowed to be mean to each other. So maybe we should start using some of that, <laughs> some of our toddler <laughs> techniques with, uh, with all of us, but yeah. Um, and something that, um, I said at the end of the last episode and is really true or it continues to be true. I think as we're talking about what does it mean to, to exist together, to try to be, um, a community that focuses on the common good, whether that's inside of the church or not. Um, what does it mean to be in loving life-giving relationships with each other where we disagree? You should not put yourself in situations or stay in situations that cause you harm, no matter where you are on, on anything. Um, things can be harmful and toxic and not good for your life or your soul or your spirit. Um, so we are not advocating in any way that you just keep persevering and, um, fighting the good fight, whatever phrase you want to put on that, um, just for the sake of trying to maintain something that is not loving and life-giving. Um, there, I don't know if I'm jumping ahead, but um, thinking about, I, I have relationships with folks on all different sides of all these issues or topics. Um, and one of them is, is super close. You know, my, my dad and I disagree about a lot of things and so how, how I've tried to figure out to stay in relationship with my dad um, in the midst of these disagreements has looked different over the course of like, ever since I became a Christian. Um, so this is just one of those things I have told him, like, we will not talk about this because there's no mutual respect there. Mm -hmm. um, so I can try to be open and, and listen and stuff, but... He's just not, and I'm not saying this to try and defame my father or anything, but he's just, we're not able to do that together. So it's just mm -hmm. one of those things we have to not talk about um, because there is no, there's no mutual respect. There's no life or, or love happening in that. Um, and I'm not trying to change him. And I don't think any of us appreciate trying to be like changed or talked down to or mm -hmm. any of that. That's not a helpful route to go. So um, it's 
I guess it's also okay, even though we're saying like, hey, let's have this hard conversation. Sometimes you just can't have it. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's okay. Yeah. Well, and I think I really like what you brought up. It just triggered a thought in me about like changing people. And I think so often we go into particularly conversations about um, this this topic, wanting to change the other person's mind toward yeah. whatever ours is. And the reality is it's it's not going to happen. I I when I go and talk to people, and even now, what I would say to everyone listening is the point of this for me isn't to necessarily change someone's mind. The point of this is to just share my experience and my thoughts, mm-hmm. and you do with that what you will. I can't control that. Maybe it moves you a little bit in your opinion. Maybe it doesn't. And the same thing would be true, you know, listening to people as I listen to people who have a differing opinion on this subject. And certainly it has moved me toward more compassion because like Nikki said, I have had and still have relationships with lots of people who don't agree with with how I live my life. Um, and what I believe. Um, But rather than go into a conversation with the objective that I'm going to change someone's mind, just go in with the objective of wanting to share Mm -hmm. your heart and, and do it with sincerity. And I think that speaks so much more when we do that than making it some kind of big debate or like a a battle, a challenge of wits um, Mm -hmm. in these conversations. Yeah, there's nothing worse than, like, sitting and listening to people just kind of spar back and forth their their knowledge. Like, that's not – I don't find that to be particularly helpful because um, we can throw verses and tidbits and facts at each other all day. But um, this comes down to people's lives. This affects people's lives. And if – especially in the church, if we are called to love our neighbor as we love ourselves, then we need to think about – what is the most caring and compassionate thing we can do always for others, for ourselves and for ourselves. And um, there's, this seems really uh, trite, I guess, but there's so much more that we have in common than we Mm -hmm. have different, that we don't have in common. Like, I mean, seriously. And it's, it's so easy to get stuck on the stuff where it's like, well, I'm actually not exactly like you. And it's like, okay, that's fine, but we're still living on this planet. We still have to breathe this air. We still have to um, pay our taxes and <laughs> do all that stuff. Um, we're just really not that different. And I think relationships have been what has changed so much of my theology and my faith throughout life around anything, um, even my understanding of God. Like I remember the first time I read a poem by a Reformed rabbi, and it was... It's titled, um, I'm pretty sure, shoot, my memory's failing me now, but um, God is a woman like waiting at home. God is an old woman waiting at home. And and it's it personifies God as this like grandmother figure waiting around the kitchen table for her children to come home and she's prepared a meal for them. And all of a sudden it just like, I saw God as my mother and the relationship I have with my mom is so different than the one I have with my dad and just being able to have that different picture. Um, and then one thing after another was like, 
oh, God isn't actually a man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like that was this yep. huge, like, like light bulb moment for me. Um, you know, and like, that's the beauty of God. And in so many ways, like we can refer to God and connect with God in so many ways. Um, and that was very life-giving and changing, but that's very challenging to some folks. And so if I don't use masculine pronouns for God, sometimes it'll be really like, whoa, what do you mean? What are you doing? So it's an opportunity to be in a relationship with each other and say, well, this is what has been helpful to me. This is what I've learned or, or whatever. Um, every difference isn't a challenge, but an invitation maybe. Or maybe we just need to rethink how we hear challenge because it's not always a negative. Mm-hmm. Exactly. No, I think, I think that's very true. And I think when we look at this topic, like I said, um, it is important. And we look at and we ask ourselves a question, what everybody wants the answer to, right, is, is this a sin? And honestly, there's a lot of different ways of looking at it. And again, we could go back and forth and we could give a bunch of intellectual arguments and debates about why it is, why it isn't. Um, And I think it just comes down to, you know, and this is purely my experience, my perspective, the fact that what I know consistently in and through scripture and what I even shared about Easter is right. Mm -hmm. The consequence of sin is death. Sin is always a destructive force. Mm It always leads to to death. Sin doesn't create. It doesn't bring life. It doesn't bring health or unity. And mm-hmm. so if that's true, then these, you know, same-sex relationships should bear that out. And I don't see in my own relationship or in the relationship of lots of other committed same-sex couples that to be true. I see so much life. I see so much unity and beauty. And I've experienced the love of God in and through the relationship with my husband countless times. And I think we share and exhibit God's love with those around us. And so for me, it's it, it's just not the same. When I compare my relationship with my husband to adultery, to things that to gluttony, to gossip, to greed, greed, Mm -hmm. whatever it is. Yeah. All of those things, divorce, gluttony, greed, clearly destructive. They clearly don't bear positive fruit, Mm -hmm. but the love that I have with my husband has, it does. And so for me, I, I can't, that is the biggest and most profound argument that I can give is it bears good fruit Mm -hmm. Um, and it is healthy and it's more healthy. And, you know, I did, I was, you know, married to a female for eight years and, and tried to do the other. And that was not healthy. That was destructive for me. It was destructive for that relationship. It didn't bear all of the best fruit. Um, Not that there wasn't a lot of good and wonderful in it, but overall, like it just couldn't be what it should be. Um, And so I think it was more harmful 
for me to try and be something that I clearly just am not. Um, and so that's kind of where, where I land. Um, and that's again, me just sharing my experience, my heart. Um, so that's, that's just my perspective on it. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think what, what you brought up, um, being able to tell good fruit from bad fruit, there was, I do believe this happened at Evolving Faith the first year they had it. Um, Jen Hatmaker used that exact same phrasing. Um, and she's like, I am not a theologian. I'm not a this, I'm not a that. But my faith has shown me how to recognize good fruit and bad fruit. Um, and, you know, we talked about this last time. When we, we unpacked the scriptures as best we could, um, we... We don't want anyone to exhibit the behaviors that are talked about in scripture. Like it would not be okay for same sex. It's not okay for heterosexual couples mm-hmm. um, to be abusive and and controlling and promiscuous and all those things. Like that's bad fruit. So that's mm-hmm. not just contained to relationships between same sex people. Um, and it also leads to some really bad stereotypes that also create and produce bad fruit. Um, when you, when you always look at somebody or a group or anyone who's different than you, like a certain way, um, and don't allow them to be who they are or, um, pay attention, listen to their story, observe their life and what they're doing. If they're just a stereotype, if they're just an image you have in your mind, that's going to cause bad fruit and there's not going to be the room for growth and, and change there, um, it's not, it's not a one-to-one at all, but I've encountered some similar pushback with being a woman in ministry. Like, well, there's just things that, like, that's just not right. Like, that's not your intended place. That's not what you were created for. Um, before I had children, I would hear the line, more often than you may believe, you know, like, well, you're a woman, so you're meant to have children. And that's where your salvation comes from. It's like, oh my, I hope that's not true. Because there's so many of us that don't, for whatever reason. Um, so learning, that would be another invitation for you all. Like, Learn to pay attention to good fruit. Um, be curious about people and things that maybe you weren't before, that maybe are very different than um, what you've learned, how you live your life, and learn what is good learn what is bad um maybe that's a a gentler way to approach this discussion of sin because that can lead us to some pretty uh, black and white conversations i think we can shut each other down pretty quickly with that but looking at what produces life and turns us toward god and towards each other towards connection because that's what we're created for um that's goodness anything that turns us away mm-hmm. is not um, yeah. Anything, yeah, like so that if it violates, right, the two greatest commandments, mm-hmm. if something prevents me from loving God well or loving my neighbor well, that's an issue. Yeah. I don't see my relationship with my husband as inhibiting either of those things, but actually enhancing my ability to do both of those things. Mm-hmm. Um, and Nikki, I just appreciate that you brought up, you know, your experiences as a female and then kind of this idea that like, 
that's not your role to be a pastor Mm -hmm. as a woman. And I think that's another one that comes up a lot and is related even to LGBTQ is that we say that there is this God ordained Mm -hmm. design of how things must be like that men are designed for the pastorate and not women Mm -hmm. that, you know, God's intended design is, is only male and female and again, I think that really is more of a culture thing than it was ever God, God speaking. And again, procreation is important, um, but it is not a litmus test. It's not a requirement for yeah. being Christian. And, and I don't think any of us would go there or say that because there are so many people, like you said, that simply can't have children or that choose not to. We mm-hmm. don't have to get married. And, and there's plenty of you know, scriptures and, and texts that say, actually, just don't get married. It's it's better. You'll be more focused on God if you live singly, right? Paul mm-hmm. says, than if you choose to, to get married. And so... And sometimes yeah, I'm like, yeah, he's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. especially kids. Kids are so... They, kids. Can, they take a lot out of you. <laughs> a lot of your focus and time. And, oh, yeah. Um, but no. But in all seriousness, it's just this idea that... Um, I don't think that God designed or said that this is the only way that it can be mm-hmm. um, and that we need to be open to that. And again, really look at, does this really fit in the category of what, what we would consider to be true of sin? And mm-hmm. honestly, I think that it's partially the church is failing. And I've said this again and again, I won't get on my soapbox, but we don't really do a good job at having a robust or sound theology of sin. Christians mm-hmm. use the word all the time, but I don't think we all mean the same thing. I don't mm-hmm. think we all actually know what that looks like um, and how we define that term or that concept. Um, and I think that that bears out in discussions like this. Mm-hmm. So just really think about that and look at it differently and and ask yourself that question, does this really violate those two greatest commandments mm-hmm. um, or not? I think that's at least a really good starting place. Yeah, yeah, it's a good place to start. And um, thinking about like when we we use that line of reasoning, well, this isn't what God intended. I always get a little like sassy Nikki is like, oh, OK, so we know what <laughs> God's intentions were, do we? Like. I mean, that just seems like dangerous territory to me. So I, I don't want to presume to know <laughs> the mind of God that um, that specifically, because there are just too many exceptions to that rule. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like there just are. And yeah, going back, Jesus really simplifies it. He wasn't trying to erase all of the old Testament and all of his teaching because Jesus was a Jew. He grew mm-hmm. up in the old Testament is what he knew. He wasn't saying all oh, this is rubbish. And here we go. He was trying to really simplify it. Get us to the heart of things. Are you loving God? Are you loving yourself? Are you loving your neighbor? Um, that's a good place to start. And, and maybe that's, I mean, that's where we start every day. Mm-hmm. What, what does this look like today? Because some days will be a breeze like this one for us. It's very sunny and pleasant to be sitting here and going about about this work and and our ministry but other days it's really challenging um other days it's going to be we're not going to think that being alive is a gift Mm -hmm. um but even then what does it mean to love yourself to love others to love god um 
or even just believe that there's something there's something bigger than all of us that connects us, whether it's God or whatever. Um, that's important and it changes the way that we engage with each other, especially around the things that we maybe don't see eye to eye on. Yeah. And so I think no matter what side you, you fall on, um, whether you think it's a sin, whether you don't, or whether you're just trying to figure it out mm-hmm. and you're not sure, I think, you know, the question is, and I know we've already talked a little bit about, but kind of talk even more about is how do we relate and navigate these relationships with one another in a way that's loving and beneficial and I think is is grace-filled. Um, and I think that's one of the big things. It's just let's let's start with with grace and sharing ourselves and like Nikki has said having the safe space Mm -hmm. to talk about it and just educating ourselves about the opposite side. Don't just expect for people to argue for their, their side. You go and do the research yourself, argue against yourself. That's what I, I, Mm -hmm. I do is let's look and read at the text and let's read the books for the opposing side and, and, and argue kind of try and argue their perspective to yourself. Um, don't put all of the work on the other person. Um, mm-hmm. We should really be open to challenging ourselves and having those honest conversations. Mm-hmm. And I would too say don't, um, and I'm guilty of this because like, you know, I became a Christian when I was 13 um, and may have had an attitude. I don't know. I don't <laughs> It wasn't that bad. Um, but like I said, my dad and I argue about a lot of things. Always did and probably always will. Um, but I would come into those uh, discussions with expectations, with an attitude. Like I would assume he was going to say certain things. And even if he did say them, um, I wasn't going into it with grace. And I wasn't going into it kindly and openly. Um, don't assume you know what's going to happen. Uh, be faithful. Be curious. Um, you know, do, do your own work because it's, nobody else can do this for you. You've got to figure it out for yourself. Um, it's one thing to, to read the Bible or even read like the beliefs of a church or an organization or something and say, Oh, this is what this is, but you've got to dig in and figure out what that means for you and to you. So it becomes yours. Otherwise it just always remains something outside of you. Um, and Maybe it's because I'm a nerd. I like to read a lot. I like to listen to other people's stories because there's just so many stories that we haven't heard or don't know. And, um, you know, it doesn't doesn't matter how big our bubble is or how much we're on the Internet. There's still a lot of people and a lot of ways of living that we haven't even scratched the surface of. So there's always, always more to learn and know that can help us in having this conversation with folks and not, um, I don't like, don't, don't push an agenda on mm-hmm. people. We said before, don't try to change people. Um, cause you don't want to be changed. I don't want to, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. And it's, it's probably going to be, it's going to be different with every person. I mean, in my experience, it's been different with every single person. And 
I was the most surprised sometimes by encountering folks my own age who like didn't see eye to eye on, on this issue or, or others. Um, I was like, Oh, like I was just really surprised. I don't know why, but you know, when those things catch you, just be curious about it. Um, it's really easy to let our emotions take us places we don't want to go. Um, mm -hmm. or just like they'll shut us down. They'll make us defensive. And I mean, none of us can do anything productive when we're defensive. Unless we're actually defending in some kind of class. I don't know. Um, yeah, I'm being super practical and helpful. There's always just a, a brief story that comes to mind that I think just really highlights what this can look like. Is I always go back to this particular incident. I was on a mission, a missions trip with my church. And obviously other leaders... Um, and I was, you know, the only, obviously the only LGBTQ person, um, at least adult leader on a trip. And so over the course, I think it may have been, you know, our second, maybe third day on our week-long missions trip, uh, another one of the adult leaders decides to just come and, and talk to me and basically say, like, I want you to know that... I think that, you know, your your decisions of how, you know, you live your life, your lifestyle, whatever the language is, 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 is sinful. And again, I didn't, I don't have a long, this is a person from a different church because it was two churches that were going together. I've had minimal interaction with this person um, for the past three days and they decide that they should tell me this, right? And so my first response was just, I was like, well, you know, I, I appreciate you sharing that with me, which at the moment probably wasn't all that true. Um, but I had a lot of emotions and I actually had to step away and just go pray for a while um, because I didn't know what to do, honestly. I didn't want to respond out of my emotion um, a part of me just wanted to say, I'll just let it go. I've heard it a thousand times before. Um, it's no big deal. But in my time of prayer, um, I did felt convicted to just go back to that person and say, Hey, like, I know you shared this with me, but I don't know that that was all that appropriate. Like we didn't really have the relationship and those words hurt me and just be honest about that because I don't really know you that well you haven't really earned that right to say that to me without causing me emotional harm and we shared back and forth again that you know I'm here I took a week off of work I'm here because I love these kids I want to show Christ to them and to the world and I'm faithful and active in my church. I am trying my hardest mm -hmm. to be that good and faithful servant just like you are. And so for you to come and tell me that really hurts, especially when it's not something I'm not used to. People keep telling me, keep questioning, keep trying to push me out of the church when so many people don't even really want to be there to begin with, right? <laughs> we are always trying to get people engaged and here I am trying and people are saying, we don't really want you because of who you are. And, and the person was very like, 
apologetic. It wasn't their intention to hurt me. They didn't really think about that. Um, and it's not that they had any personal vendetta against me as a person. And mm-hmm. after we had some discussion and talked more, I don't think they changed their mind theologically about it. But I think we both moved relationally much closer to each other. We both respected each other. We continued throughout the next several days. I mean, we saw each other differently. Mm-hmm. And I think we both saw more of God in one another after having had that conversation. And that's what we should see happening. Mm-hmm. It's not about changing people's minds so much as just the fact that we saw God revealed a little more in each other, um, even if we don't agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a good, that's a good final word um, for all of us. Like let's, Let's consider believing the best about each other, mm-hmm. um, giving each other the benefit of the doubt and thinking like they're working just as hard as I am yep. to figure all this out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's obviously not easy um, and we're going to fail a thousand times, but that doesn't mean we're not doing our best. Exactly. So, yeah. Well, friends, we hope that even a little bit of this was was helpful and um, edifying and, and all the things. Um, we want to leave you with some other resources. I actually um, flipped to the back of the book that I referenced last week, Holy Love, and um, Steve Harper is a United Methodist, and so he actually laid out some resources in good Wesleyan fashion. Um, I think we've talked about the quadrilateral on here. Maybe not. Maybe, Maybe not. So the, the quadrilateral, the, the quick rundown of it, that is um, a tool that we use for um, interpreting scripture and, um, and living out our faith practically. So the four pieces of it are um, scripture, tradition, reason, and experience. And so he broke down his resources under all of those um, categories. So I'll read through a few of these. A um, couple of these I've read before, actually. Um, so books that will focus more on scripture for you in, in regards to this topic are um, James Brownson. It's called The Bible, Gender, and Sexuality. Um, this one just has a great title. <laughs> Unprotected Texts by Jennifer, I think. How would you pronounce her last name? I thought it was an R, but it's... Um. Nust. It's K N. I don't know if you pronounce it. I don't know. Anyway, the title is Unprotected Text, so I'm sure if you Google that, you'll find it. Um, and then there's um, The Bible's Yes to Same Sex Marriage by Mark. Oh man, I should have prepped this. It's your turn. Here we go again. It's the top one. Mark Actemeyer. That's probably right. Mm-hmm. Again, it's a title. The Bible's Yes to Same-Sex Marriage. Just put it in Google. You'll be fine. Yeah. Um, Jesus, the Bible, and um, Homosexuality is a book by Jack David Rogers. That one focuses on theology. And then there's Scripture, Ethics, and the Possibility of Same-Sex Relationships by Karen Keene. I've read excerpts of that one. It's very good. Um, Under Science, we have The Psychology of Human Sexuality, which... Um, I haven't read that one, but I'm hoping it will give us a fuller scope. Because as we said before, like 
This is not just same-sex relationships we struggle with. Like, it's just human sexuality in general um, does not help us. Um, experience. James Martin has a book called Building, the, Building a Bridge. Steve Harper also has another book called For the Sake of the Bride. Um, and then if you are a Methodist out there listening, he's got um, a few books that are particular to, to the United Methodists. Um, Karen Olivino, Our Strangely Warmed Hearts. Haven't had a chance to read that one, but I've heard really good reviews. Um, Ruben Job and Neil Alexander are the editors on a book called Finding Our Way, Love and Law in the United Methodist Church. Um, and I don't remember who the author was or if it was just a collaboration of folks. But there was a book that was done, um, I think it came out in 2018, and it was designed for churches to do small group studies, but it's called Living Faithfully. And I walked through that one with my previous church and it was really, it generated a lot of really good discussion. And again, it was one where it wasn't like, hey, you're wrong, I'm right, whatever. It was to facilitate having having these talks. So um, those are a whole bunch of extras on top of the things we already mentioned, but um, just some ways to help you uh, find some ways to read up or broaden your horizons around all this. So next time we are going to have another guest with us from our congregation. Her name is Mary. Uh, she is seriously like one of the coolest people I've ever met. Um, I wrote in my notes, the bee's knees, and that's true. Uh, she is. So we hope you will turn tune in to hear about her. She um, volunteers with our youth. Uh, her husband, Cody, works on the tech team, volunteers on the tech team. They have two super cool kids. Um, so yeah, we're going to be chatting with Mary about... Um, her and her faith and and what she's up to here in Auburn. So um, looking ahead, if you would like to submit a question or any kind of feedback, uh, you can find the question form on our website under the um, resource tab. And also, like we said before, if you just want to write in, have something to share, you can write us at podcast at auburnumc.church. Thanks so much for joining us today and make sure that you tune in for our next episode. You can find our podcast on Spotify, on iTunes, wherever you usually listen to your podcasts. If you can't find us, let us know. We would love to connect with you and know that you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube at First UMC Auburn. We also have a Facebook community that you can join called First UMC Online Community. And there you can connect with the church by participating in chats and discussion posts. You can share your prayers, thoughts, photos of your life, celebrations. Uh, we just want to get to know more about you. And uh, the purpose of this group is to grow in relationship with others, both online and then also with God. Um, another great resource uh, for you is our website, auburnumc.church, where you can find more info on the ministries of our church, upcoming events, and lots of other fun things. Take care of yourselves, everyone, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye.